0: All right, we are moving along. Lesson six, and we're going to talk about our security of salvation. And tonight's lesson is going to deal with the difference between security and assurance. And then next week, we'll dig into some passages to see our security in Christ so that we can better have an understanding of our assurance of our salvation. So... Uh, Again, remember, um, I've got a couple of testimonies. If anybody else has theirs with them, be sure and hand those in. Um, I had a few of them email me throughout the week, and uh, I've looked through them and passed them back and everything. So make sure you're working on those testimonies and get those in to me. Um, let's start with the word of prayer and then we'll get into our lesson. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and we thank you for your grace, your love and your mercy and we thank you um, for the opportunity to come together and to study the truths that are found in your word and uh, God, I just pray that um, by the end of the night that we'll all have the assurance of our salvation. And By the end of next week, that we'll be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us dealing with our security and our assurance whenever we speak to other people as well using your word. God, we just love you and we thank you for Jesus Christ, the gift of eternal life that comes simply by faith in Him. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, well like I said, in this lesson we're going to look at several different areas. First, we're going to look at the difference between assurance of salvation and our security as a believer. And then second, our goal is to make sure that everyone has the assurance of their salvation. You know, the story of the Bible, as J.D. says, is that God has... God, the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using His Son Jesus Christ. It's a story of reconciliation. And there's three aspects to that. There is eternal life, salvation, there's Christian life, um, salvation, and then there's a future salvation, glorification. Um, and so all of those aspects play into it. but there is a good news message that is for eternal life, salvation. And so let's <laughs> review what the gospel message is. What is the gospel message? So about that Jesus did what? He died. He Exactly. So He died on the cross and He died to do what? Pay for sin. Pay for, sin for the sins of who? Everybody. Everybody. And then He was buried and then what happened three days later? He, rose. he arose from the grave. In conquering, conquering death, exactly right. And then he was seen by many people. And so we have his death and his resurrection. And like we said, it's important whenever you talk to people about the gospel message that we include the, the resurrection. So many times people are all about, you know, Jesus died for your sin. Jesus died for your sin. But they leave out the resurrection. But without the resurrection, there's no power And through the resurrection, I mean, we get three things. We see that Jesus is God. We have proof that the payment of sin has been made. And we have the the resurrection. We have Jesus conquering death. And that's why he can give us life, because he's conquered death. And that's what we're believing in him for, is to give us what he's offering us, eternal life. So what is the response? How do we want people to respond once we tell them, what it is that Jesus did. How do we want them to respond? Believe. Believe what? That Christ died in your sin and rose again. Gives eternal life. Believe, receive, and We want to believe what? We want to believe what's the object of our faith? Jesus. Believe in Jesus. So, not just believe that Jesus died and rose again, but we want to believe in Him for what He's offering. And what is He offering? Eternal life. Eternal life. Exactly right. And that's important. And we're going to see why it's so important that we say that we believe in Him for eternal life. We're going to see that over the next couple of weeks because we want people to be assured of their salvation. And whenever we, we help them to understand that not just that you're saved, Because, you know, I can be saved, and I'm saved right now, but am I going to be saved next week or the month after that or five years down the road? Well, you know, whenever you just say saved, you know, that doesn't give all of the information. But whenever we say that you have eternal life and you get it at the moment you believe in Him, and if it is eternal and it lasts forever, then, you know, there's no way that I can get out of it. And so it's eternal life. He's given it to me. It's a gift. It's not based on what I have done, are doing, or will do. It's based on what Christ has done and the promise that he made to me for eternal life. So I kind of a- answered the next question that I was going to ask you. And that question is, is, what if somebody believes in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Does that mean that they're saved and saved forever? Yes. yes. And so, what if they go off and they murder? Are they still saved and saved forever? Yes. What if they quit believing? He remains faithful because he not deny himself. Exactly. He remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That's exactly right. And so, it's not based on our faithfulness, it's based on Christ's faithfulness. Of the promise that He made to us, eternal life. Let me give you a couple of scenarios. There's there's two people, and tell me which one of these deserves to go to heaven. There there is this guy, and uh, he's raised in a in a Christian home, so he goes to church and he believes in Jesus Christ. Whenever he's ten years old, but soon after that, he gets out. He gets him a car. He's sixteen. He goes on his own ways, sneaking around. He gets into a game, ends up shooting somebody, ending, ending uh, himself up in prison. And uh, does he deserve to go to heaven? No. no. Exactly right. There's this other guy and he's his friend and they grow up together, go into the same church. Ten years old, this kid believes in Jesus Christ for eternal life as well. And he lives his life, a good life. Um, He ends up raising a good family. His children have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And uh, he teaches a Sunday school class in his church. And um, just living a good Christian life, doing good things for other people. Does he deserve to go to heaven? No. No no, you guys are great. You guys are on the game here. None of them do. But well, both of them have eternal life? Yes. Yes. Why?
1: Because
0: they believe in Jesus Christ. Because they believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. That's exactly right. So it's not based on our goodness, our works, our righteousness that get us there. It's by faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone that we have eternal life. So when a person believes in Jesus Christ, they have eternal life, they're secure, they're safe forever. But not all people know that, not all people understand that, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about this evening. So what is the goal? The goal is that each person will be assured of their security in Christ. That each person will be assured of their security in Christ. So as be, as we begin, we need to understand two terms and how they fit together. So what is the difference between security and assurance? Let's think about this first. When you think about security, what do you think about? If 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 somebody says that you're secure, that you're that you're safe, what do you what do you think about? That you're protected. That you're protected. Confident. That you're confident. The definition is being safe, held, or protected. Being safe, held, or protected. We're secure. We're safe. We're held. We're protected. And biblically speaking, we're protected because God is always with us. And God made us a promise. And God cannot lie. And God is all-powerful and able to, to perform whatever it is that He promises So biblically, we are safe in Christ and God keeps us forever. And the basis for our security is what? What would you say the basis of our security is? God's 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 Word, God's promise, and that's true. It's the character of God. It's the character of God. His power and His promises. He has the power to keep his promises and his promise is that he gives eternal life to whoever believes in Jesus and so he promises us eternal life he has the power to keep his promise God never lies and we'll see that in Titus 1-2 today but it's based off of the character of God but then there's the next word assurance what would you say assurance is Certainty, promise it's settled. Okay. Certainty is is a good good idea. It's our understanding of our security in Christ. It's our understanding of our security in Christ. So this is based on our understanding and trust in God's character we understand that He keeps us and that He holds us. And so down there below, I think this is the important thing, and it it summarizes this and, and makes the point that we need to make, is that all believers are secure in Christ. But not all believers have the assurance of their salvation. All believers are secure in Christ, but not all believers have the assurance of their salvation. Security is something that we have. It's a truth. That that we are all secure in Christ. Anybody who has believed in Jesus Christ, they are safe, held, and protected by God the Father. But assurance is our knowledge, our our certainty, that, that we know that we're safe, held, or protected. And not all people know that. As a matter of fact, most people don't know that because most people look back to themselves rather than looking to the promise that Christ made. But the question is, is does God want us to know that we have eternal life? Does God want us to be assured of our salvation? Does He? Yes. yes. All right. Yes, he does. Otherwise, why would we be looking at this? Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. It's towards the end of your Bible there. Um, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, then Jude and Revelation. So it's right there at the very end. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. Whenever somebody gets there, if they want to read it, that would be great. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay. Okay. So in 1 John 5.11, God has given to us what? Eternal life. eternal life. Eternal life, exactly right. God has given to us eternal life. And that life is, is where? In his, son. in his Son. And so whenever we believe in His Son, whenever we believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. That's one of his seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, I am. I am the way. He's not part of the way. He's not a way to get to God. He is the only way to get to God. He is truth. And so whenever he speaks, whenever he makes a promise, not only does he speak truth, but he is truth. That is his character of who he is. And he is the life. He is the one who's conquered death, he is life, and he has the ability to give life. If you look at 1 John, or John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, you see that he is life there as well. If you look at uh, John chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Another one of his I am statements. He's claiming to be God. And he says that I am God, I am the resurrection and the life. And so life is in his Son, in Jesus Christ, is how we get life. 1 John 5, 12, he who has the Son has what? Life. 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 He has life. And so if we have the Son, then we have life. He who does not have the Son does not have what? Life. Life. But Jesus Christ died to pay for all man's sins. He rose from the grave to conquer death for all people. So all people are going to exist forever, but not all people have life. We get life through Jesus Christ. So whenever we believe in Jesus Christ, we have life. Not just any life, we have eternal life. And that's what he goes on and says in 1 John five thirteen. All who believe can know they have eternal life. All who believe can know they have eternal life. And notice that word there. They can know they have eternal life. Not that they think they have eternal life, or that they might have eternal life, but that they can know they have eternal life. So We can be assured. We can know that we have eternal life because we get life from Jesus Christ. We have it. And where it says we have eternal life, that's something that we have now. It's present tense. We have eternal life. And so we don't have to wait until the end of our life, until we die to determine whether or not we get eternal life. We get eternal life at the moment we believe in Jesus Christ. And so he wants us to know. He doesn't want us to doubt, to worry about our salvation. He wants us to know. and once we know, then we can serve God in the way that He desires for us to serve Him. And we're going to and that takes us to our next point. Why is it important to understand our security? But let's before we get there, are there any questions? Do you understand the difference between security and assurance? Are all people assured of their salvation? No. Are all people secure? Yes. Not all people are secure. You guys, come on. Are all believers in Jesus Christ secure? There you go. See, you know, come on, come on. Wake up, wake up. <laughs> exactly so all who have believed in Jesus Christ are secure but not all people who have believed in Jesus Christ are assured of their salvation because not all people know that they are secure any other comments, thoughts, questions? all right Well, why is it important to understand our security? A person will go to heaven by believing in Christ, whether they're assured or not, but without the assurance, a believer is affected in two ways. Does anybody know what these two ways are? Growth. I know growth. Builds, confidence, maturity. Okay, maturity. Stability. Stability is one of them. And the other is service. So the first one is stability. What happens if you are not assured of your salvation? Then what if things are are going bad in your life? What What might you think about yourself? What if I was to die right now, living in the sin that I'm living in, or living in the world that we're living in, or living in the circumstances that are surrounding me? What might you think if you had no assurance of your salvation? That you, might not go to heaven. that you might not go to heaven. That's exactly right. And so you're on this roller coaster. You're living your life. Man, you know, things are going great. I, I just came out of Bible study and, and man, I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm going to heaven. Man, if if God were to were to take me right now, i I know for sure where I'd go. But then, you know, tomorrow afternoon, man, I've had a... I've had a struggle. I missed my morning coffee. And so, man, it's just been a struggle for me. And I've been irritated with everybody that's around me. And I've been acting in a way that's, that's not godly, um, that's actually the total opposite of godly. And so, man, if, if God were to come back, if Christ were to come back now, and, and you know, I, I wouldn't go. And that's not the way we want to live our lives. That's not the way God wants us to live our lives. He wants us to know we have eternal life so that we can live a stable life, so that we can live a life of peace, so that we can live a life of joy. That's what He wants for us. He didn't come that we may have life, but that we may have life abundantly. And He wants us to have the abundant life. He wants us to understand that what we're living in right now This is eternal life, that we have eternal life right now, and it's beginning, and that we are living for eternity right now. And so the things that we do, and the the way that we live, and the joy that we have, and the peace that we have, He wants us to have it, not once we get to be with Him, but that we have it right now because we're already with Him. We are in Him. We are in Christ. We are placed in Christ at the moment we believe in Him for eternal life. So, first of all, it affects our stability. And the second thing is that it affects our service. If I have no assurance of my salvation, why do I come to church on Sunday morning? If I have no assurance of my salvation, why do I live for Christ? Out fear. of fear, exactly right. I better be at church on Sunday morning because if I don't go to church on Sunday morning, then uh, you know, then I may not I may not get to go to heaven. I may not be get to be with Christ. I better serve, you know, I better be in be in this ministry or that ministry because if I don't, then I may not go. And that's not why we are to serve Christ. Why does He want to serve us? What is our moti- What should our motivation to serve Him be?
1: Love.
0: Love. Exactly right. You guys got it. We are to serve Him out of love. If we have no, no assurance of our salvation, we serve out of fear. But if we have the assurance of our salvation, we serve out of love. You know, some pastors, they get that backwards. They say, if you don't scare people to death, then they're not going to be in church. If you don't scare people to death, then they're not going to give. If you don't scare people to death, then they're not going to serve. But that's not true. How many of you in here know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved and if Christ were to come back today, next week, or 200 years from now, that whenever He comes to take you, that you'll be with Him and be with Him forever. Okay, So you all know that. So why are you here? You, you don't have to be here in order to get that because you know you've got it, but you're still serving Him. So we don't have to scare you to get you to come. You want to come because you want to know more about Christ. You want You want to know more about His Word. You want to be more confident so that you can talk to others about the truths that are found in His Word. And so you're here because you love God. Because you love your children and you want them to, to understand and to know God. And so your motivation is not fear that I have to be here or otherwise I may not make it. You're here but knowing that you could be somewhere else, but you love God and you want to make Him a priority in your life. And so we don't have to scare you in order to come. We want you to serve God why God wants you to serve Him as an act of love. Does that make sense? Well, there are two key issues that always surface when we're dealing with the security of the believer. As we deal with the issue of security, we can always come back to two key truths whenever someone says that you can lose your salvation or that we are not secure. Those two key principles are what we're going to look at next. Now that we understand why we need to be secure and have assurance let's look at what the Bible says about security. What are the key principles and truths found in Scripture that deal with security? What is it that the believer has? Eternal life. Eternal life. So, here's the question. It's a real difficult one. How long is eternal life? Forever. 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 Exactly right. You know, whenever somebody says that you know, well, you can't know for sure, or, you know, you can lose your salvation, then what Jesus says is not true. Is there a verse in there that, in the Bible that says something that makes them build off of that? Well, I mean, they, they look at several verses that deal with, like, Hebrews chapter 6, that, you know, you fall away um, and things like that. And so they think that their salvation is dependent on them. The thing is, is the, the truth is, is they don't understand the fact of rewards. And so they think the reward is getting to go to heaven. So you live the Christian life, and if you live the Christian life well enough, your reward is that you get to go to heaven and be with God. But they don't understand that salvation is a gift. There is a distinction between salvation and discipleship. And we're going to look at that in just a few weeks. That distinction between salvation and discipleship. And so that's basically where they get it because they think that it's based on them and their living right, persevering in good works in order to have eternal life. The Old Testament is based on works. No, the Old Testament is, is by faith as well. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so they, by faith, they, they believed in the coming Messiah, the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, the son of David, the, the son of Mary. And so they knew that there was this coming Messiah and they believed in him. So they were saved in the same way we are, by faith. Their faith was not in the person of Jesus Christ by name and who He was, but they knew that from, from back in the garden in Genesis 3.15 that that God made this promise that He was going to send someone, the Savior of the world, who was going to be the seed of woman who was going to crush the head of the serpent. But the law, they had the law, and the law was something that set apart the Jewish people for a period of time, starting in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham, but if you think back, how were people saved before the law? Because there was no law until Abraham. Sacrifices and animal sacrifices was their security, was it not? That, that was the way to stay in fellowship, but it didn't have to do with their salvation. The because the, but what did the what did that do? Whenever they offered a saf- sacrifice, what did that do to their sins? Covered it just covered them. It. it just covered them. Exactly right. But what did Jesus Christ do? Whenever He came, He paid for all sin for all people for all time, past, present, and future. And so the animal sacrifices, the law system was not for salvation. It was to set the Jewish people apart so that they would live as lights in the world, what we're called to live as now as the church, to set them apart, to be a distinct people, to live a godly life and to live for Christ. Or to live not for Christ, because, but to live for, the, live for God because Christ was not yet had not come and they didn't know who he was. But he was the Messiah that was to come. So, because, yeah, if you go back to... It's a great comfort to know. It's Genesis, isn't it 12.6 <laughs> or 15.6? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. I think it's 15.6, I think, is what it is. Somebody can check that. But... um But so people in the Old Testament saved by faith. People in the New Testament saved by faith. 15.6. Genesis 15.6. Okay. So how long is eternal life? It's life that goes on forever. And based on John 3.16 who has eternal life? Those who believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Notice that there are no conditions on eternal life. Notice that it doesn't say that whoever behaves, whoever lives right, but it says whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. He who believes is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Why? Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so it's not our behavior that saves us. It's our belief in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, do you think there's anybody who is too sinful, who is too bad, that they cannot be saved? No. No? Five eights, uh, Romans eight says that. Uh, he died for a Okay so so God can save anyone because it says whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so that whoever includes anybody does it not Exactly right it, it includes everybody Who knows who the worst sinner of all is all, all. Paul. Paul. Paul claimed to be. Paul. He didn't just claim to be. It's written in, in God's Word. In John seventeen seventeen. Thy Word is truth. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. What did He came in, come into the world to do? To save sinners. Of whom I am foremost of all. And Paul tells just in those verses right before there why he is the foremost sinner. What did he do? He persecuted believers. He persecuted people who stood for Jesus Christ. But on that road to Damascus, what did God do? It says in verse 16 that him being the foremost sinner of all, God showed Jesus showed his perfect patience in saving him so that he would be an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. That's what chapter 1, verse 16 of 1 Timothy says. And so Paul, being the worst sinner of all, who was in total opposition against Jesus Christ, what did God do? God saved him through the person of Jesus Christ, through faith in him. He saved Paul and he used him as one of the great apostles, the one who wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. So if he can save that person, then he can save you. He can save me. He can save that neighbor down the street. He can save that person who is in a, in a prison cell because he murdered 13 people, because he murdered 10 people, because he did some other things that we don't even want to talk about and say that that person may have done. So there is no one... Who is so sinful that God cannot save him? It's whoever believes, and that includes anyone who will simply believe in him. He offers the gift of eternal life. So the believer has eternal life. Eternal life lasts forever. Who gets it? Whoever believes in him. But the second thing, the second principle dealing with the security of the believer, is that salvation is by grace. Salvation either has to be by grace or works. It cannot be both. And we're going to see a verse that shows that here in just a minute. But based on Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, what do we know about grace? What do we know about grace? Who knows Ephesians 2, 8, 9 can say it? For by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Exactly right. So it is by grace. And what is grace? Unmerited. Unmerited. unmerited favor, getting what we don't deserve. Exactly right. It's unmerited favor. It's getting what we don't deserve. You know, we talked about those two people there at the beginning. It seems like one of them deserved to go to heaven, where the other one didn't deserve to go to heaven. The one that believed in Jesus Christ and lived a godly life, man, it sounds like that he would deserve to go to heaven. And the other one that believed in Jesus Christ but went and lived a different way and murdered people, he didn't deserve to go to heaven. But the truth is, grace is unmerited favor. We don't merit it. it. It's not our goodness or our righteousness. It's the grace of God. And so, it's all of grace. We get what we don't deserve. And we're saved. We're saved from what? Yeah. Saved from hell. That's a good answer. What else are we saved from? Eternal separation, Eternal separation, Eternal separation from God. Separation. Exactly right. Those are two great answers. We're saved from going to hell and we're saved from being separated from God for all eternity. And how do we get there? By faith. 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 By faith. And like we say, faith always has an object and what is the object of our faith? Jesus Jesus Christ. For salvation, the object of our faith is the person of Jesus Christ. It's not his works. It's not what he did. But it's who he is and believing in him for what he's offering us eternal life. And then it's not of self. So it's not our doing. Our goodness, our righteousness, filthy rags. It's a gift. And what is a gift? Something you are? something you work for Free. no it's something that's freely given exactly right something that's given freely and just to make sure they says he says there it's not of works so that no one may boast not of works it's not what we do So in the box there it says eternal life is either forever or it's not eternal life. Salvation is by grace through faith and it's not by our works. Grace is not based on what we do either before or after salvation. We are saved by God's grace. Not if we work or keep on working. If a person says that they must keep believing then this is a work, something that they must do. But at the moment we believe in Jesus Christ, He gives us eternal life. So looking there, can grace and works exist together? No. Look at Romans 11.6 real quick. Romans 11.6. But, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, since otherwise grace is no longer grace. Okay. But if it is by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. So, if you have grace plus nothing, that equals salvation. Salvation. <laughs> but if you add anything to grace plus anything else, it does not equal salvation. If we add anything to it, if you have zero plus zero, it equals zero. But if you add zero plus any other number, it no longer equals zero. If you put a one in there, a two in there, a three in there, it no longer equals zero. And so that's what grace is. Grace is free. So grace plus nothing equals salvation. But if you add anything to grace, then it's no longer salvation. It's like corrupting it. Exactly. I know what it's saying, but it seems like it's phrased a little awkwardly there. But grace and works exist together. Maybe grace for salvation and works for salvation can't exist together. But grace and works. Certainly exists in the Christian life. Yeah, they can they can for the Christian life, but they don't for salvation. Exactly right. Yeah. So, for salvation, and that's a good point. and we might need to make clarification in the book there for the future, Um, but for salvation, whenever you add anything to works, or anything to grace, then it no longer equals salvation. And we know that it either has to be grace or works, because if you add anything to grace, it's no longer grace. But as we've seen in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, just before this, that Eternal life, salvation, is by faith. Romans 4, 5, But to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Galatians 2, 16, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Romans 3, 19 and 20, Another great verse that shows that no one can be justified by faith. Or by works, I'm sorry. No one (laughs) can be justified by works. So if it is grace, it cannot be works. If it's works, it cannot be grace. So down there it says, realize that when some say that we can lose our salvation, they are saying that eternal life is not eternal. They're saying that eternal life is not eternal. That salvation is not by grace through faith. And that salvation is based on our works and our faithfulness. Eternal life is not eternal and that salvation is not by grace through faith and that salvation is based on our works and our faithfulness. And Debbie said it earlier 2 Timothy 2:13 if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. And that's the truth. If we are faithless, if we don't do what we are supposed to do, if we don't do what we're called to do, if we don't live the Christian life like we are supposed to live the Christian life, then if we're faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. He can't deny himself what it is that he promised us. And what is it that he promised us? Eternal life. So that takes us to the next part. Any other comments, questions? Can you read those answers again to that? Yeah. Um, realize that when some say that they can lose our salvation, they are saying that eternal life is not eternal. That eternal life is not eternal. That salvation is not by grace through faith. And that salvation is based on our works and our faithfulness. Thank you. You're welcome. You. So the basis for the security of the believer. What is the basis for the security of the believer? Titus one two. What does Titus one two say? eternal life which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. Okay. So number one there is the hope of eternal life. In the hope of eternal life. And that word hope whenever you see it in the Bible isn't like I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow because we all hope it does rain tomorrow. <laughs> we need some rain. Uh But hope has the idea of eager anticipation. Eager anticipation. We have the hope of eternal life. We're eagerly awaiting eternal life. We're eagerly awaiting Jesus Christ to come back and take us out of here, especially in the times that we're living in. We're saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. So in the hope of eternal life, God who cannot lie, God who cannot lie. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not only does he tell the truth, but his character is that he is truth. And he promised long ages ago, and I like what her how her Bible read, promised. Before time began, is that what it said, or something like that? Promised before the beginning of time. Promised before the beginning of time. And you know, the truth is, is that Jesus had the plan to save mankind before He created mankind. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, in the beginning, the Word is Jesus Christ. He was with God, He was God, and God had a plan to send Him, to become flesh, to dwell among us, so that He could take our sins upon Himself on the cross, dying in our place, so that He could rise from the grave to conquer death, So that he could give eternal life to anyone who would simply believe in him. And so he had that. He had that plan from eternity past. He knew. So God, who cannot lie, promised to us eternal life. Based on the character of God, we are secure in Christ. Next week. I like it a whole lot better because we just go and we dig Scripture and we see these verses that show us that we are secure in Christ so that we can have the assurance of our salvation based off of God's Word, God's power. We see God's power. We see God's promises in his word, that he's able to perform what it is that he promises and we see the promises that he makes that will never be separated from him, that will never perish, that we have present tense eternal life so some powerful verses and a, and a great lesson um, is ahead for us next week so with that let's go through the summary and then was, I'll uh, question was three three? three? three, one, two, and three there. Uh, Number one is the hope of eternal life. Number two is God cannot lie. And number three is promised long ago. What is the answer for A? The answer for A, the character of God. The character of God. I don't think I gave that answer. Okay. Number one in the summary. All who believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life are secure in Christ. All who believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life are secure in Christ. All who believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life are secure in Christ. Number two, assurance is our understanding of our security in Christ. Assurance is our understanding of our security in Christ. Number three, God wants us to know we are secure in Christ. God wants us to know we are secure in Christ. Number four, a lack of assurance Affects our stability and service. A lack of assurance affects our stability and service. A lack of assurance affects our stability and service. Number five. Eternal life is forever and is by grace through faith. Eternal life is forever and is by grace through faith. Number six, the basis of our security is the character of God. The basis of our security is the character of God.